This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And hello, Hearts of Oak. Uh, great to have you with us, and great to have David Vance with us, giving his expert thoughts and views and opinions, uh, which are never in short supply, off the week's news. David, thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure to be here, Peter. And I've, I've had them defined as many things. That's one of the kinder thing, descriptions <laughs> you've just given me. So I'll take that. <laughs> and of course, you can find it at David Vance on Getter, at DVATW on Twitter, uh, and of course, on Podbean. What's the Podbean uh, handle? Uh, David Vance. David there Vance Podbean. Yeah, the advance on Podbean. You can hear his regular musings throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, wonderful. Well, David, let's jump in. We had a fantastic event uh, in December last month uh, with Andrew Bridgen, MP, and Carl Benjamin, aka Sargon of Akkad, Lotus Eaters, uh, and it was great fun, Central London, and it was such good fun that we have decided to, um. Oh, we have decided to do another one. Now, talk about it as I bring up because it's disappeared. Tell yeah, us about so, challenge, yeah. Hold the Line, Challenge the Narrative. Yeah, Hold the Line, Challenge the Narrative. Well, this was what we did back in December. And and the premise behind it and the events that we're all we're going to have many more of is it's this concept that, we, that we, between us we've come up with that uh, it's about uh, focusing on areas where people can stick true to their principles and they, 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 you know, they, they push back, they challenge back. And so we had, yes, on, in December, the very first one, and this is the second one that's up on screen. Uh, this is the one 1st of March, Friday 1st of March, uh, Central London. Uh, and uh, we've got, again, Peter, I'm sure you'd agree, two great guests in the form of Lawrence Fox and Calvin Robinson, who don't really need much of an introduction, I guess, Um but they're people, they're important voices. And uh, I'm really pleased that we've got them to come along and spend the evening with us. And of course, Ticket Taylor is what we're using. Ticket Taylor, uh, we know a number of other uh, people have used for their events. Uh, it's T-I-C-K-E-T-T-A-I-L-O-R.com. Of course, all the links will be on your website, yep. on your, all well, on your website, but also Everywhere. on social media. Everywhere and anywhere. Um, but it'll be a, a, a good evening. And of course, um, Calvin is looking quite shorter. Uh, reduced with the with the removal of his hair, which I was shocked when I went to see him at his ordination. Is is Calvin? What is Calvin? I think he's about seven foot tall, isn't he? He's really tall. He's a giant. He's a giant. I'm going to insist that he stays seated the entire time because I I refuse to be seen as you know a dwarf beside him. But you know, on a serious note, Calvin and and, and Lawrence had a really, you know, uh, challenging 2023, I guess, because as we as we know and, and as and viewers and listeners know, they both, you know, they were cancelled. Lawrence and, and, and Calvin were both cancelled from uh, GB News. And so I think, you know, one of the themes of the evening will be how can we have free speech in an age of censorship, even when the censorship comes from places that we thought were, you know, were friendly and... Um, you know, Cal Calvin and Lawrence lost their uh, lost their their jobs. Uh, so 
it's in, that's why these conversations are so important. That's why people need to come along, get out from you know from 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 behind screens, get into the public. On the, in December, it was the, the event was great, the mood was great, the atmosphere was fast, and it was just people getting together. And I think that's Peter. If nothing else, that's where the value in these things lies. It's that kindred souls being able to share the same space. 100%. I'll be central London. You get the details just before uh, because uh, we, sadly, that's what we have to do. There is off street, there's a street parking all around. It's a couple of minutes walk from a tube station. And there are many watering holes around that you can. Uh, we will, well, actually, last time we, we had a great time, went for and a good hour and a half, and Andrew and Carl came out, and it was great catch ups. It's not only the event, but also to go for a well earned drink or two after, which I know David and I will be looking forward to be after a, a long day. Be ready for it. <laughs> now, yes. let's go with this story. And this is the uh, grooming gang report greater manchester police your horrendous failings uh, i think six years or six and a half years this has yep. been in the mix andy burnham the mayor of uh manchester he started it uh this report and it's part three has just come out and is as bad as part one and part two systematic failings but lawrence put up here kids mr mayor children let me yep. just play that little clip is hard to read. It gives a detailed and distressing account of how so many young women were seriously harmed and appallingly failed. Yeah. Young women. Young women. Shocking. Helps. Yeah. Shocking. I mean, look, this is the thing. I mean, as Lawrence rightly said, these were kids. These were kids. They weren't young women. And, 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 and it shows, Peter, that even when a, a damning report like this is coming out, essentially the establishment still are not prepared to fully come to grips with that, which you've done a, lo a lot of good work on over the years in this area as well. You know, um, the, the fact is there's this insidious, um, toxic um, grooming gang culture in so many of our towns and cities and you know as I keep saying we'll, we'll never solve it unless we fully come to grips with exactly who it is that's doing it why they're doing it and 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 then you know look at the people who turned a blind eye but Andrew Andy Burnham I'm a, who I never liked anyway uh, it's just demonstrating you know that uh, even at this moment uh, where so much revelation has come out um, still still in denial that you know, these were kids, as Lawrence Fox rightly said, being being viciously sexually abused, and it's completely not compatible with British values. And the people that do it shouldn't be, in my opinion, in Britain. No, and I think I saw a tweet by Sammy Woodhouse, um, and mm. she took a uh, picture from one of the local newspapers a couple of years ago, and it said. Um, uh, girls or something like children slept with Asian men or something. She said slept yeah. with seriously, and it is this language to uh, to legitimise it, I guess, and yeah. to reduce the level of horrendous because it's not child sexual exploitation is called, but it's it's rape gangs. Uh, Muslim gang, Pakistani yeah. rape gangs, but you're not allowed to bring that term in. You have to soften it down. Well, yeah, that's right. And I, I, I do remember what you're talking about. I saw it as well. And the media headline was, yes, a couple of these young girls had slept 
with um, 2,000 men. I think it was something like that. Obscene. The other thing is all the euphemisms, the other euphemisms they deploy. For example, it was apparently Asian men. Well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't Asian men. That's racist because there's lots of pe um, people from the Indian subcontinent and other parts, uh, India, uh, you know, um, Japan, all kinds of Thailand. Uh, Lilani Dowding said, my parents were in the Philippines. Uh, is it Filipinos? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's right. But again, it's simply to do with the fact that they won't, they won't say the word Muslim. They won't discuss Islam, even though we all, everyone knows in these communities, that's where the problem lies. 100%. And it's not just up there in Manchester, which has been one of the epicenters. Here is um, a story from the local paper up in Bradford. Call for CSE, child sexual exploitation, i.e. Muslim rape gangs, um, and grooming review in Bradford, backed by law firm. Uh, law firm has backed calls for a Rotherham-style review and reports of child sexual abuse in Bradford District. Uh, more reports of young women being exploited or targeted. Um, and it comes after just six of at least 50 reports of grooming were proved by Bradford Council, according to solicitors. And this seems to be mm. kind of a tale we see up and down the country. They yeah. have all these reports, all these girls given evidence, and it doesn't really go anywhere. No. And in fact, I have a friend in Bradford. And I mean, he was saying to me that he reckons when the full truth is revealed of what's happened in Bradford, that's going to be every bit as bad as we've seen in Rotherham and some of these other instances as well. You know, this is an endemic problem that we've got going on across the country, um, Peter. You know, and 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 um, um, we've got to ask ourselves why why is it why is the establishment so uh, reluctant to come to grips with what the um, the drivers of this are? You know, why the euphemisms? Why the beating about the bush? Uh, why why are they prepared to betray? thousands probably tens of thousands of young british girls why why they do that and the answer is kind of obvious they don't want to get into conflict with the fastest growing demographic in the uk and of course this highlights the feelings i mean my anger of course is against the the rape gangs but i'm even more angry that no one in the police in authority has actually been jailed for uh, for ignoring the pleas of these girls. When we all kind of mistrust the police now uh, over the the COVID tyranny, but when a girl goes to the police and reports a rape, for the police to dismiss her hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times across the country, it makes you really fear for actually society and where we're heading. Well, yeah, because in that last uh, report you put up, uh, West Yorkshire police were, were mentioned. Now, West Yorkshire police are apparently so busy policing the internet, policing, the, the, lest someone tragically misgender someone. They've got the time for doing that, but they haven't got the time for th these horrendous uh, abuse uh, ab abuses and dealing with them. Um, I mean, I'd like to see prosecutions of the police but I don't know who's going to do that because I think our judicial system is very badly compromised, unfortunately. So the police and the establishment who have essentially ignored this or even worse, tried to cover it up, they're, they're probably in their own way as bad as the actual, you know, uh, people who carried out the crimes. Yep. And, and of course, we are told this is historic. It's all been 
done and dusted, no. all been fed. And again, it comes out time and time in the reports that there are um, individuals giving evidence to the report saying, this is still going on. This isn't back 2010 and it yeah. finishes or 2012. This is current today. And if the police haven't dealt with it then and they won't even say it's happening today, then what hope is there? Well, I think, I think you're right. I think that the problem, if anything, will have got worse because for the obvious simple reason, if you go back 10, 20 years, you know, the, the amount of these sort of uh, predatory Muslim men was at a particular level. Since then, it's incre- the, the, the demographics increased. So common sense tells you, well, then the likelihood is that the crimes increased. They didn't suddenly stop. And th- there's vast areas, most particularly, I mean, we're having our event in, in March again in London. London seems to... Apparently, it's all perfect. It's super duper perfect in London. There's no problem. I, I've, you know, I, I am convinced, Peter, our biggest grooming gangs are located in London, but it's not spoken of. It, the, the lid has not been lifted off that. Um, so, yeah, this is a, a huge problem across across most of the UK, I fear, at this point in the time. And we need to get to grips with it. David, I remember, just final thing, I remember working in City Hall uh, with uh, Peter Whitland, David Curtin, in the UK group there, and we put FOI requests into all the police, uh, into the police in uh, London, into the Met, and in the councils. And basically, the response we got from more or less the mall was, um, "This isn't happening," or we had one case, and that's it. And you think there is no way that it is not happening in our capital. No, it's 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 endemic, and 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 that's why the scale of cover up will be vast when, when it's revealed. It, ultimately, I think we both agree. Truth ultimately will out. Ultimately, might take, as we've seen in the case of the post office, you know, a long time, decades, but it will eventually get it out. And when it does, honestly, in London, uh, people will be will will be shocked, but they shouldn't be because what we see in Manchester, Rotherham, Bradford, it's happening in London as well. It really is. They're just covering it up better. Well, let's change gear completely. And it's this tweet, which you retweeted, a tweet from Peter yeah. Sweden, who I love following. Yeah. Um, and speaker at the WF says that farming and fishing is ecocide. They want to be a serious crime. Farming ecocide um, yeah, yeah. Uh, t- t- tell us it because it doesn't seem that there doesn't. I mean, we we've watched what's happening with the farmers in Germany, in yeah. uh, Holland, um, and it seems to be spreading in in France. There's a lot of fight back, um, but if human, it seems to be they want to wipe us out, David. Well, that's exactly what they want to do. I mean, you 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 got to judge them by the words. I I, I watched this interview with this particular, uh, you know, uh, Echo Loon, Echo Loon. And uh, she, she's serious. She believes that farming and fishing is essentially a form of criminality. And uh, we, we, we have to get to grips with these, these criminals. She, they, so they want to criminalize uh, uh, farming and fishing, uh, agriculture in general, I suppose you could say. And that's for a very simple reason. They want us to starve. The useless eaters, well, why, why bother you know, feeding them? So the consequence of what she's saying is, uh, essentially, forms of star- starvation along the ro- along the road, maybe five, ten years out, and so you know it shows. It's another example of the the World Economic Forum. I mean, it's the most uh, depraved 
um, genocidal body, body I can think of. All the things that come up are bad there. So it's interesting to see people like Tony Blair there. It's not a strange coincidence. I wonder what attracts him to all the genocidal wish lists that Schwab and the gang have. And so, um, yeah, we're going to starve if these people have their way. That's why what the German farmers are doing and what the Dutch farmers are doing should be encouraged. And I only wish that the British farmers and the Irish farmers would similarly take to their tractors, take to the roads and rise up because we'll never fix this, I believe, uh, from politics going down. It has to be from the people up. So, you know, and have you noticed, by the way, amazing scenes in Germany? I mean, the pictures around the Brandenburg yeah. Gate in Berlin. I mean, I remember standing there and it's amazing to see all those tractors. Media is basically stead mute on it. I've seen next to zero coverage in the mainstream. Uh, it's only the alternative media like this that we see these things. But there's that mood, and I'm 100% behind the, uh, the the farmers. You, you know, the more uh, they get out and protest, because it's our future they're fighting for. Without food, there's no us. It's it's so simple. I mean, that shows you how dangerous the World Economic Forum people are, that they, they if it's not jabbing us to death, they're going to starve us to death. And I would prefer neither. It's so true. We had uh, Jan Haru Peterson on. Um, I've mispronounced his surname. It was very different with a lot of oh, I can't get it right. But uh, he he's been involved, former for many years, his family work and been involved. And it was enlightening to actually hear what is happening there because you see, we see the video clips of all the roads being blocked. And then you talk to someone and you realize there's a a, a person. There are hundreds, there are thousands, tens of thousands of individual farmers that are fighting for their livelihood yep. and fighting for their right to feed us, which is a weird right to fight for. <laughs> but it is. And the other thing is, these a lot of these farmers have been in it for generations. You know, it goes from father to son and so on and so forth. And I know these, I know farmers as well. And like they are being absolutely harried and persecuted by you know the the net zero agenda and the uh, the sort of decarbonizing uh, and and ultimately you know the choice is going to be if if you keep going down this net zero uh, narrative, um, we're going to run out of food, which is what they want. I'm convinced they want us to, uh, they want to starve us or limit the food. Uh, maybe maybe instead of sitting down to tuck into a nice steak, you know, tuck into some nice uh, locusts or other mm. form of bugs. Uh, so even though we, you know, we talk about it, and it's sort of funny at one level, but it's, they mean it. They mean it. So our opposition has to be just as strong, I think. And I that's why I support the German and Dutch farmers. And I want the British, I'd love British farmers to waken up as well, you know, because again, we need them. Uh, but, you know, at this point in time, they seem a little bit mute. Well, let's stick on the Germany theme. And this is... This wonderful graph, and you've 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 highlighted in case we miss that large twenty five percent. This is the AFD alternative for Deutschland, um, and they are highest ever. I mean, tell us about this day because it is exciting to watch when you think of where we are politically in the UK. It's exciting to see what is happening across Europe, and yep. the AFD are threatening the. The, the whole establishment there in Germany and wider. Yeah, that's why the establishment want the talk of banning the AFD, apparently. But as the chart shows, they're sitting 25% 
of the projected vote, which would make them the number one party. And I mean, they haven't been around that long in politics. And it's brilliant to see German voters um, turning to the alternative for Deutschland because um, that's the that, that's one place where hope does potentially rest. Um, and, and we see this, isn't it interesting? We see this in, in Germany. We see it in Holland with Gerd Wilders. Uh, we see it to a degree in France and to a degree in Italy as well. We see populism rising. And I and I'm I I and uh, you know you can ask questions about some individuals, but it's broadly speaking a welcome. Um, and then we come here to the UK. Where is populism rising? Well, reclaim? Mm, not sure about that. Uh, we don't seem to have the same uh, populist uh, uprising here. But I I I'm loving what I'm seeing in Germany. But that's because Germany's in such. I mean, it's such a mess. The AFD are doing well because they're able to exploit the fact that just about everything that successive German governments have done, especially since Merkel opened the you know the the gates to what is it three million um, sub-Saharans um, and subsequent German administrations, you know, basically turning off the uh, you know the the, the 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 nuclear power stations and then the whole sort of gas pipeline stuff. Germany's a mess. Germany's a mess, and Germans can see it, and they're turning to the AFD. So it's it's I'm loving it, and it it does fit into the the German farmers. It it fits into everything. But ultimately, if you push people far enough, Peter, you'll get a response. So maybe we just need to be pushed. <laughs> maybe maybe that's our fate in the UK. After five years of Keir Starmer, we'll be pushed so far that maybe just maybe then we will properly rise up. Let's not even think where we'll be in five years. But that I think that, that, yeah, yeah. And there was another, I don't know if you saw the, the Sweden Democrats. Um, I've seen a number of posts yeah. on them because they've cancelled um, a lot of the, the UN, the Agenda 2030 stuff and others. And um, so it is across from north to south, west from France, we're left out, all the way to the, to the east. Uh, it's, yeah. It really is exciting. It is. I mean, I mean, in a way, it's it's quite hopeful to see that. I mean, the only thing is, like, their countries are in different stages of being complete disaster zones. Uh, we're maybe not quite quite there, but uh, but yeah. Look, I'll take hope wherever I can get hope, and uh, you know, it's. But I do think it's ironic that it, like Peter, we fought our battle to get ourselves out of the European Union, to stand as a sovereign country alone and make our own laws and do the right thing for British people. And and the one country that I see not doing that is the UK. And I now see in these other countries like Germany, like Sweden, you know, you name the country, um, there there is this change happening. And it's brilliant to see it can't happen soon enough. You know, they need to I remember a long time ago, uh, before I was born, the, the, I remember the Bastille was stormed in Paris, and that started a revolution. Sometimes I think, I wonder what the fate that will befall Brussels will be. I wonder, will people in history look back on the storming of Brussels as the moment when the European peoples, the patriots across the vast European continent said, no, no, you're gone, we've had enough. We're going to, you know, we are reasserting our... Or sovereignty, and 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 we need to do that in the UK. It bothers me the life out of me that uh, you know the uni party we have here, no interest in it. But then they have uni parties in those other countries as well. Difference is, uh, and the other final thing on this, Peter, is I don't know what you think that 
these countries like Germany, we've just talked about there, or Sweden, uh, for example, they've got a different electoral system with more proportional representation models. They don't have the model we have, which I think is designed to pre uh, to sustain the hegemony of the uni party. So we, we need to fundamentally change our way of, 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 of voting, I think, if we're going to get that change. It, it won't happen. It can't happen. Reform can sit in 12% of the polls, 20% probably. They mightn't even get a seat. The, the system is designed to sustain the uni party, and it's the uni party in the UK that's our enemy. Yeah, 100%. And UKIP got 15% and got one seat. And that was a single issue. And that's why UKIP was successful over 25 years. But whenever you look at populism, it's much wider. And I think that's, we have a massive issue. But yeah, let's let's look across the English Channel, past the boats coming in, and look with the excitement of what's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll touch on it, but let's actually go to COVID. Uh, and it is this. Warning now, David. I'm sure I think you call this a psyop, surely not. Um, China told to immediately stop new tests on mutant COVID strain with a hundred percent fatality rate. Yeah, um, and yeah. well, there are a couple of them missed, but they COVID sounded warned against researching called 100 fatality rate in humanized mice. Now, I didn't even delve into what human mice are, but. What were your psyops? Was your thought? Tell us what yeah. you think on this. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm so far down the rabbit hole in this one. Um, first of all, I reject the fact that COVID came from a lab in Wuhan. I don't believe that for a second because I don't think that there necessarily was COVID. Um, and this here, it's the same playbook. It's a lab, I tell you, Peter. It's a lab. It's these fiendish Chinese scientists working on this new deadly. Um, um, uh, virus and what they do is they humanize the mice by injecting uh, a few human genes, in, which arguably is Frankensteinish. I don't even know why that's happening, but let's assume that they put human genes into the, these mice. There was eight mice. Yeah, there was eight dead mice. And on the basis of eight, eight dead mice, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever! Quick, run to your cellars and take cover. No, uh, you know, uh, I don't accept. Also. The, this particular uh, de de desperately new uh, weaponized uh, uh, virus, it attacks the brain, right? But it also gives you respire, <laughs> gives you respiratory. <laughs> um, and, and honestly, la I'm just laughing at them. Um, no, we saw through your playbook. It's not in it happening again. You know, you can have all the people fall over in all the streets of every Chinese uh, city like you did back in 20 January, February 2020. We know that was a scam. And we, 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 we know that, you know, this, I don't accept gain of function. Some people do. I personally don't. I, I can't see how it can work. But, but either which way, Honestly, on the basis of eight, eight dead mice, I mean, this is a wee bit like whenever they tried, remember they tried monkeypox? Remember monkeypox yep. is very serious and you can't laugh at monkeypox, but it, it was a big nothing. And I suspect that this new, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, new, the new deadly one that attacks your brain, uh, in a way it does attack your brain. It's a psyop. It affects your brain in that way. But beyond that, honestly, I'm not worrying about eight dead mice in China. Well, it's interesting it's a, a part of its cover-up, obviously, because they said that the new strain could cause, you're right, it, it mice could cause a global healthcare risk. Ah, it, stating it could yeah. start a heart failure pandemic. Ooh. Ooh. 
Really? Mm. Are, are we seeing a heart failure pandemic? I think we might have started early on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe this virus has already leaked out, and that's what's causing all the uh, the heart uh, heart illnesses and and uh, and illness uh, diseases that we see. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it it is just. I I tell you what, I think it really is. Seriously, I think that globalists understand that fear drives human behavior, and, and I think most people would understand and accept that. People, uh, if you make people fearful, they will turn to government to, for help. And, you know, you're going into Dracula's arms, you know, the cloak's going to be brought around you if you think that the government's here to help you. So I think they want to keep us fearful. And some people are still bought into the COVID, you know, the people who are still on the 12th booster and are still catching it, like, you know, like we see um, some of these media personalities who keep getting it after they've got their latest booster, they probably will go, oh, no, you know, it's the deadly mice virus. That's the one that's going to take me. That, that maybe, it, maybe it does scare them, and I'm sure that's the point of it. But I would like to think anyway, most people watching this, like me, will just laugh at the sheer stupidity. We see them, we know what they did, and, uh, you know, and, and of course, unfortunately, the consequences of the jabs, which were really, I think, it was a jab pandemic. I don't think the virus thing was an issue at all. But, um, you know, billions of people got jabbed, and uh, if they can engineer another one, th which is possible, it's definitely possible, then they will. And this links into disease X, you know, disease X, um, maybe is this disease X that they're apparently in some labs in the UK, government labs are working on antidotes, antidotes to the disease that doesn't exist. That's really clever tech, isn't it? Uh, so it, it's it's just a thing. It's it's there. And, and it's good we talk about it. And it's good, you know, I think hopefully as many people as possible will take, follow them. Well, I, I, I laugh at it. Everyone has to make their own decision. But I think the problem is we're not smart enough. I mean, no, I'm, have I, I, the, the I do. people developing a vaccine for something that doesn't exist, that requires a level of intellect that we just don't have. That's it. Or chicanery. Or chicanery. Or I suppose that's the only other option. But yeah, yeah, I mean, but that, that was a true story. Apparently, the media this week reported that in a lab in the UK, their work, government scientists are working, <laughs> working on an antidote to something that isn't there. Disease, the disease X. So, that, but of course, once you dig it below below the detail, as you know, so much of this is modeling based. Everything's modeling based. Yeah. That's why I think it's also dubious. They can't show us hard evidence of anything, but the model says. Well, the model says it. This one's going to be twenty times deadlier than COVID, apparently. On well, what basis? And then well, Let's jump on and go on to something the government really should be focusing on, uh, which isn't anything phantom. And this is asylum seekers taken from taxpayer-funded hotels and simply moved to other hotels. Uh, this is um, Sky News that they were moved out of taxpayer-funded hotels or moved to other hotels still paid for by the Home Office. And the government had lied outright to the Home Office Minister, Chris Phillip, told Sky News the government had closed around 50 hotels to house migrants. Um, but they've just gone to cheaper places. So at least the government are saving money. But when this is a so-called conservative government, which I do like to, to keep pointing out, that really don't care about us. So what, what were your thoughts on this trickery, David? Well, I mean, at a time when there's homeless people in the UK, when you see this, 
abuse of our taxes. It, 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 it's, it's disgraceful. As you said, Peter, all they're doing is they're shuffling these, um, uh, you know, these economic migrants uh, from one hotel to the other at our expense, trying to play word games, trying to, trying to pretend that they're actually doing something, but they're not because the fundamental problem is always the same. They can't get shot of them. They can't get shot of them. We have the Rwanda distraction, which is absolutely irrelevant. Nobody's going to Rwanda, and it doesn't matter. The, the, the issue we have lies in the English Channel, and the government won't deal with it. So instead, they deal with it in terms of how fast can we process them once they get here? How quickly can we get them here safely? That's what Starmer and Labour are going to be doing, I'm convinced. Their, process, their argument's going to be about processing them. But I don't want them processed. I want them stopped. I want them turned around. I don't want to see the British uh, Navy in the Red Sea. I want to see the British Navy in the English Channel. I want to see our military protecting our... Why is that so radical? Just to say, how about we protect our own, bar our own borders? And, you, you know, because once these people get here, that, that's it. Game over, it seems. Although, you know, mass deportations might sort that out, but then that would... No government has any will to do that. So... It, it, it's kind of obscene, you know, in these hotels. And, and of course, as you know, Peter, it's not just a UK issue. That's because we see it in, in Ireland as well. Yeah. A, a very big case happened there earlier this week where a little village called Roscray in County Tipperary, the, the Irish government took over a hotel. The locals said, we don't like that. Irish police turned up and beat the hell out of the locals yeah. who were objecting. So and it goes back to the point you made earlier. You know, the police are increasingly just a paramilitarized wing of authoritarianist politicians. And that's not what we uh, we signed them up for. But, uh, yeah, the hotel thing is, is scandalous. And that, oh, but then, of course, if you put them in a barge, they might kill themselves. Well, we just have to take that risk. Well, Dave, you have to, the, in the article, it says someone called Khan, it's not Sadiq Khan, it's another Khan, uh, came yeah. to the UK because his family worked for the government, Afghan government, didn't feel safe after the Taliban takeover. Um, and he states that uh, being moved to another hotel, uh, he had no choice but to move. The hotel tells us that if you cancel the process, you must sleep on the road like a homeless person. Well, why, why aren't our homeless people being put at these hotels? Uh, and it, it just the article points out that that this person from Afghanistan comes here and is demanding a hotel because he doesn't want to be homeless. Yeah, but how did he get from Afghanistan to the UK? He passed through other countries, most particularly France. He has no right at all to be here. He shouldn't be here. He should be sent back. I, I would do a reverse of the little boats of the Normandy. Um, uh, sort of situation, and I'd send a whole pile of little boats back to France with all these, uh, all these people on it. They're just chancing themselves, and because we're so weak, and because we're so enthralled, the European Court of Human Rights and the uh, the, the, the human rights lawyers, um, they, they get, we're shuffling them around. You know, I mean, uh, I don't even know what's happening in British tourism in so many hotels now are being, and I know of hotels where I live that are no longer available to for tourists. They're available to people from as far away as, as Afghanistan or, you know, or, or, or wherever else who have no right to be here. They should all be deported. Well, the Afghan tourist industry is big, David. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, here, here's a tweet back to London. Here's a tweet by Lawrence Fox, who again will be with us on the 1st of March at our event. So just to remind you, 
uh, hold the line, challenge the narrative, come and see Lawrence. And this is what Lawrence talks about with many things. Um, he never holds back. And he says, more than a thousand have been murdered since the woke dictator Sadiq Khan took over. We commissioned a memorial to their loss in 2021. The mayor of London has removed it, hiding from the truth. We need to clean up this city and put a person in charge instead of a pointless politician. Um, obviously, Sadiq doesn't want the truth that uh, London is becoming more and more dangerous under his uh, leadership that seems to talk more about diversity than safety. Yeah, I mean, Lawrence is absolutely right. And I have to say, he does put out some fantastic uh, tweets. But in this case, like, it's quite serious, isn't it? They, so they did this, they produced this little memorial to a thousand people who have lost their lives in London. So much murder in 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 in, in and. and could call carnage happening in in, yeah. in London, and 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 then what does he do? He and what does Can do? He literally he literally glosses over it. He literally removes the, the sort of the the memorial to to, to the murdered. Um, and this is the problem. My my problem really is ultimately what Lawrence is highlighting in London is actually the thing that we're all going to face. So we, we that's why we have to rally to support good people in London like Lawrence and like people like David Curtin and other people who who I think have the best sort of uh, intentions. Whereas Sadiq Khan, uh, calling him a little dictator like Lawrence did, he's right. He's a little tyrant who's manipulated the demographic and we can see how it works to his own advantage and you know, I mean, I know we have a, a mayoral race this year, and it'll be well. Very supposedly, uh, and it's not really much of a race, but yeah. No, well, well, that's right. But I mean, you know, five more years of Sadiq Khan is that going to be another thousand dead people in London? And who are these dead people? Who are the murdered? Well, they're typically people of an ethnic background. Um, so. Uh, and who's committing the murder? People of an ethnic background. There's fundamental problems. No one wants to see anybody lose their life. I'm sure n nobody here does. We want to see life sustained. But something's gone tragically wrong with London. And do we want that to go tragically wrong with the whole of the UK? And it's beginning to emerge in Manchester and Birmingham. I mean, I'm not saying these cities are without their problems, but Sadiq Khan's taken it to a whole new level. And that's why, you know, I love to see when people like, uh, he's also, by the way, Sadiq Khan, very, very thin skin. Have you noticed so f most of his social media posts, he doesn't allow responses to? Wonder why that, I, I allow responses to everything I ever do. People can come on and completely take me to task. I'm not, you know, I'm okay with that. Sadiq Khan, he, he, he basically doesn't allow you to respond because the way Lawrence responds, and I'm sure you, Peter, and many other people, that's how most of us, I think, think um, that, uh, you know, uh, London is becoming a place apart. I, I always think you know, London is increasingly unrecognizably British, but that will change on the 1st of March, just like it did on the 12th of December, when we take it back, if only one small part of it for one night. 100%. Uh, we've got, goodness, we've got a lot of stories, four more stories. Let's fly through these. Uh, staying in London with yeah. diversity, uh, Britain's strictest head teacher taken to court over Muslim, school's Muslim prayer ban. Um, I think this was in North London. The court heard the school had faced an online campaign over its approach to religion, as well as threats of violence, abuse, and false allegations of Islamophobia. 
um, the Muslim pupil claims the decision banning prayer rituals breaches her right to freedom of religion. Why should any child um, have any? I mean, school is for education. Um, I, I, I guess the call was to stop school at a certain time on a Friday for yeah. prayer mats to be got out and prayed for. That That's not what the school is about. No, it's not a right. There is no, she has no such right whatsoever. And the other thing is this particular school and this particular headmistress, I have huge respect for her. Uh, she and I have followed each other on social media for a long time. And, you know, in many regards, this school um, sets a, a, a standard, which, which I'd like to see actually in, in all our schools, because it would be good for all our kids. Uh, no nonsense. Just focus on the fundamentals of providing a decent education, teaching children respect, and 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 that, that that's what should be happening in all our schools. It tragically doesn't. But but that school is a good example, and that's why that school is being picked on. They don't want to see um, that kind of uh, educational environment, uh, you know, flourish. So, um, but as for a Muslim right to to prayer, if she, if, you know, I guess if there's a break and she wants to take a prayer mat and go out to the 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 uh, the play the playground or wherever, um, she could do that. But there's no right. There's absolutely no right. Furthermore, this is a Christian country. So, uh, you know, I can see an argument for, well, maybe there's a right for having a, a Christian school assembly, which is the sort of ones that I had when I was at school a long time ago. But, um, no, we're not an Islamic country. No, it doesn't exist. It needs slapped down. But this is all this is all designed to undermine the likes of the Ingus and Michaela, uh, school, uh, because I think it offers uh, something that would be really good for most kids, and um, so certain people hate that idea. So uh, again, I stand with the headmistress. And I remember growing up having collective worship time in the school assembly at the beginning, but I can't imagine ever thinking, well, I'm in the middle of maths, I'd like to pray. Excuse me, I'd like to just now stop maths and just pray. There's a time and a place, and yeah. it's this forcing yourself, forcing your your culture, your belief. No, no, as, as you said, David, you can go and you can do that at lunchtime, and then maybe you'll have less time to eat for lunch. But um, I'm sure your God will be happy enough if you don't have to pray during maths lessons. Yeah, but have you noticed, it's not Buddhists pushing this. It's not Hindu folks pushing this. Yeah. It's Islam yeah. pushing this it really is and and you know they try to shut down obviously any criticism or critique under the veil of islamophobia but but they're the people pushing 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 that's the ideology that wants to change actually everything but but school life is part of it as well as you say no doubt uh, a friday uh, a break for friday prayers and stuff no they can do it in their own homes and that's reasonable or they can do it in a public space as long as it doesn't inconvenience others but that's it there's no right to do it in the school well let's um before we we're accused of spreading disinformation and misinformation, which is the, the latest thing from the WEF, uh, let me just play you this. Uh, the globalist lunatics certainly are living up to expectations. Yeah. I, I love that line. Um, let me just play this uh, one minute clip uh, from Ursula, the head of the EU. Well, the global business community. The top concern for the next two years is not conflict or climate. It is disinformation and misinformation. 
followed closely by polarization within our societies. These risks are serious because they limit our ability to tackle the big global challenges we are facing. Changes in our climate and our geopolitical climate. I'll actually stop her because she goes on, but it's that beginning bit, misinformation, disinformation. I didn't know that was a bit, it's even worse than climate change. I thought climate change was the worst. Yeah, it's the accent that gets me. And, you know, it is, I'm sorry, if you ever watched a World War II movie, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, But yeah, I mean, she, um, I heard between her and Schwab, what a double act. The the thing is that uh, that the, the primary purveyors of misinformation and disinformation or the likes of Ursula von der Leyen, or the likes of the W Economic Forum. And what they, when they talk about these terms, when they use terms, they're talking about you, Peter. They're talking about me and everyone watching this. They're talking about anyone who dares to dissent from their globalist agenda. That, that's simply because they know that, and in a way she's right, we are a bigger threat to them than the other things because the other things don't really exist. There is no such thing as, you know, uh, a climate emergency, et cetera. It doesn't happen. And the only global turmoil we have is that which they're causing. So we are a threat to them. And that's why I think her agenda and the rest of them, they want the likes of the social media platforms to crack down on us, those of us who who challenge back, you know, I mean, and I guess the guy, and I think she does go on to mention this, uh, Twitter uh, or X under Elon Musk, they've got a problem with that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where that one works out because maybe, maybe Elon Musk might decide, well, okay, I'll not make X available in the European Union. And then what would happen to us in the UK? Or maybe not. Maybe, I'm not sure if, uh, but but they want to fight. They're looking to fight with Elon Musk. I mean, we all see that. And that's because people like us are still allowed to exist and comment and speak on various platforms. And they want all those platforms completely controlled. That way they push their climate uh, alarmism. They they push their uh you know their warmongery. Uh, they po- push their 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 vaccine mania, and and there's no one to say boo to them. That's what she really means. It's just that's not the word she uses to say it. Yeah, and this moves from you mentioned the social media companies that have talked about misinformation, disinformation during COVID mm. tyranny. But then this takes a step further to governments getting, because for yeah. a while, I think social media companies were allowed to do whatever they want. Um, but now, obviously, we've got the online safety bill. You've got legislation coming through that actually will take what's happening with that restriction online space, and it's going to take it offline. So wherever you are, you can't get away from this. I wonder, will it bring, though, a whole new set of euphemisms? I mean, one of the ways we've got around it over the past couple of years is not to use the trigger words. You use an uh, alternative to the trigger words. And this is where I think people like von der Leyen underestimate us, generally speaking. We're clever enough to know that, okay, if I'm going to say this word, like, for example, on YouTube, if you say certain words, you're, you're dead. But you can use euphemisms and other ways of putting it and get around it. And I think we've got an infinite infinite capacity to do that. So I'm not sure how, you know, they're going to close us all down. Uh, But I think they'd love to. They'd love to have all our individual governments crack down on us because we 
I mean, for example, the BBC is a good example. The BBC will not allow any criticism of the uh, climate alarmism. They've, it, the science is settled. That's it. And that's what the World Economic Forum and von der Leyen and co want. Uh, they just want um, a, a complete withdrawal of opposition. But our job is to, I'm afraid, whether she likes it or not, to um, you know dare to differ and to challenge and to push back. Because uh, and you know, and sometimes I think you know maybe we overestimate Davos and this whole thing as well. You know, maybe we do. Maybe we give them more credence for what they're worth. They, they seem some of them seem very low IQ to me. Some of these people, I see them as authoritarian. I see them as as potentially some of them you know, it's, it's like seriously genocidal. But that doesn't mean they're super smart. And maybe we've got that on our side as well. So let's let's see who prevails. Well, let's go on to an individual who's been accused of spreading misinformation, and that is Joey Barton. And this is Ina Aluku reveals she's left the country after a sting attack from Joey Barton. She's genuinely been scared. And this is, of course, after uh, Barton uh, called her um, Fred and Rose West, um, her and her fellow pundit, Lucy Ward. Um, and she says, I've genuinely been scared this week. I didn't leave my house until Friday and I'm now abroad. I, this is GB News. It, what? Yeah. What are your thoughts, David? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great one. I mean, I mean, in this regard, I'm 100% on with Joey Barton in this one. So, Amy Aluku and Lucy Ward, they're both female um, football commentators. And, and Joey Barton's point is they can commentate all they want on women's game, which they have, I think, played. But the men's game is very different, and he thinks their commentary is pretty poor. That's his opinion. But think about what they do. What do they do? They, spend, they make their money commentating on what other people do, on criticizing their performance. So because Joey Barton gets involved, um, and 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 the, the the Fred and Rose West analogy is also one that's been misrepresented. He compared them to the Fred and Rose West as in they had murdered football commentary. And then, to be fair to Joey Barton, when he reflected on that, he realized the error of his mistake, and he compared them more rightfully to uh, I think it was Stalin and um, Pol Pot. Yeah, yeah, because they'd killed. Thousands of hours of football time. I mean, okay, colorful commentary and all that. But, you know, uh, I, I, I'm loving it. I, I'm loving Joey Barton doing this. He's challenging back. And like ITV, ITV Sports, so woke, so pathetically woke that, uh, that I, I, it's just, it was great to see Joey Barton step outside the Overton window and, if you like, smash the ball right through it. Because that's what he did, and to be fair to him, he 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 doubled down. He didn't he didn't apologize. They want him to apologize. I don't think he's apologizing. In fact, I see some more tweets from him in the last day or so, um, which is quite good. And uh, yeah, I I don't understand why these snowflake uh, can't take criticism. They give it. Their job is to criticize other footballers on, on the games. So he criticizes them and using his choice of vocabulary. And it's you know it's apparently. She has to leave the country. I wonder which country she went to. I wonder, was it Nigeria where her extremely wealthy parents come from? I wonder. I, I, I don't know, but it'd be interesting to know that. Yeah, David, she's genuinely scared. Come on, you need to, she, you need yeah. to feel for her. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's finish off with Trump. 
And this is the the wonderful news uh, that he wiped the floor clean with everyone else in the yeah. Iowa uh, primary. Trump triumphs, and America and the world wake up to a nightmare. Andrew Neil argues Donald's dream Iowa result puts him on the road to the White House with all his carnival of chaos. Um, the salty tears of Andrew Neil. What on earth did you mean, David? Well, because Andrew Neil, unfortunately, suffers from intense Trump derangement syndrome, and he has done certainly since 2015. He, he was he was very much in the Hillary corner then. So, it, so if you say Donald Trump to, to poor Andrew Neil, I think he starts a little bit inside of him dies, and he gets very emotional, and that's what we've seen in that absolute uh, uh, establishment garbage that he produced for the Daily Mail. So, I mean, first of all. I was delighted to see Donald Trump absolutely sweep Iowa. I think he won 99 of the 99 individual counties. A historic win by any definition. Trounced the floor with um, uh, DeSantis and uh, Nikki Haley. And uh, I, I think, you know, I think it caused a bit of a chain reaction. The establishment around the world, which still hates Trump, um, had to get their little hit pieces in. So Andrew Neil was essentially writing a hit piece for his globalist paymasters in the Daily Mail and elsewhere. So I understand why he wrote that. But um, but but if you read into what he actually says, it's it's always it's also so much nonsense. He says, you know, this could be bad news for people, you know, for America's allies and friends. Why? Donald Trump has made it clear that the years he was in power, we, the, America didn't engage in overseas yeah. wars, unless Andrew Neil thinks that's a good thing. I'm not sure. You need to ask him. But, you know, Donald Trump uh, in that first four, first pre, his first presidency, let's call it, and hopefully this will be a second one. He, 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 or his third one. Or his third one, because he is actually the still pre <laughs> president. Yeah. Um, then, then I think, you know, well... Um, I don't think there's anything to fear from Donald Trump. I, I'd be very scared of another four years of the Democrats. That would be seriously bad. Look at all the wars. Look at what they're doing. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of sad to see someone who I once looked upon as a, as a, a serious, uh, thoughtful uh, interviewer and, and political uh, commentator in the shape of Andrew Neil revealed in his true colors. He revealed himself in December 21 when he heard, he, he, he suggested that the unvaccinated, you know, the purebloods should basically be, you know, held under armed uh, guard in the basement somewhere lest we go out and, uh, and, and pollute the world. He revealed himself then. He revealed himself over GB News. Uh, and the way the shenanigans about that and the whole, when he was chairman at the beginning. And he's revealed himself in this as well. The, and, and I suppose, Peter, to be honest, and this is the other reason I want to see Donald Trump win, the, the, the salty tears across the whole leftist media. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be a sea, a, a, an ocean of tears because they can't haunt, handle Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump's relatively mild in what he says. I don't even think he says anything that extreme. But but they just they, it just triggers them. It triggers them, and it's brilliant to, to behold. And so you know, uh, again, I would look forward to the night after the presidential results hopefully come in in in, in November, and the entire establishment having a meltdown. If he if if 
he's able to get past the cheating machine of the Democrats. And now easy, we've talked about this before, easier said than done, but it doesn't matter. He's still our best hope, you know, and that's why the, the media uh, immediately after that fantastic Iowa win, I, I remember the next morning, the BBC were were crying their tears and they were talking about, but, but, but Nikki Haley, but, but Nikki Haley this, because Nikki Haley is obviously their preferred, you know, yeah. she's the, yeah, I mean, she's not even a, she's not even a Republican. She, she's a Democrat uh, by any other name. And uh, they want her to somehow, you know, defeat Trump. It can't, well, you know, it can't happen. Everyone watching this knows Trump is, but this race is over before it started. And I know New Hampshire's the next one. And then I think it's, um, I can't remember who the third state is. Trump, Trump's going to win all of those, I think. And that's it. Game over. Deal with it. Just deal with it. So Andrew Neil's um, column, essential reading to understand how this terrible condition of Trump derangement syndrome can affect even the smartest. 100%. Well, well um, we will leave it on that. And of yeah. course, uh, actually, let, let me just show a picture just to leave the viewers on. This was a great picture you'd put up, David. Uh, and it, it yeah, explains it exactly what's been happening. So, yeah. A, yeah. a picture uh, paints thousand words. So it's so good, so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Trump, Trump, they can't stop Trump. He's unstoppable. Um, and all the. In fact, actually, I tell you, a final thing for me. What, what 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 amused me was the BBC then interviewed people in Iowa who had who had voted for for Trump, and the BBC were saying, but but he's all he's court he's got. Oh, I don't know how many, 97 court cases against him or whatever, you know. And the the, the people interviewed said, yeah, that's another reason to vote for him. So it's it's in a way it's brilliant. You know, the the the, the more they use the lawfare to try and take Trump down, the more ordinary rank and file Americans uh gravitate towards him. So it's going to be a monumental race. We'll be watching it, obviously, with great interest all year. And I'm just hoping and praying for the right result. Uh, because if we want a stable world and if we want a safe world, the best person to deliver that, for all his faults, is Mr. Donald Trump again, not another four years of hell from Joe Biden and his, uh, his cabalists. 100%, David. David, always appreciate you coming along. Thank you so much for your time today. And I'll just leave the viewers with if... That is the evening, 1st of March. It would be great to see as many of you as possible. Uh, we will, uh, we're working on to see if we can live stream it. Uh, we will see. We didn't do the first one. We're seeing if it can be possible. But if you're anywhere near London, it would be great to see you come uh, and join Lawrence and Calvin, who have both been cancelled um, for speaking their mind on GB News, which uh, many of us initially thought was going to be a well, not that Fox is anywhere now, but was going to be that voice on the right. But come, uh, they're both fantastic individuals who never hold back um, and always speak their minds. So if you're able to join us uh, on that Friday evening, Friday 1st of March, do come out. Um, and night, fr yeah, Friday, Friday night in London, 1st of March, spring has started, spring has sprung. And Peter and myself and Lawrence and Calvin would love to see you. So please come along. Come and uh, the, 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 um, the links are in the uh, uh, below this or wherever. You can get them over on my site as well. Uh, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be great fun. And Lawrence and Calvin, have, I mean, fantastic guys, great views. Uh, and they've been through a lot. And I think it's going to be a brilliant evening. So please come along.
It will be. TicketTaylor.com. Links are on David and uh, Hearts Book social media. So on that, I wish our viewers a wonderful uh, weekend. We're doing this a day before, uh, but enjoy your weekend. Um, and we will be back with you on Monday for a, another interview. So thank you so much and goodbye to you all. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.